Your neighbor Jim figured out that with MetroPCS, he gets unlimited data, talk, and text for $30, period. Babe, that color looks awesome. Just like he figured out that shopping with his wife will buy him a night with his buddies. That's Guy's Night Out figured out. You too figure it out. Switch to MetroPCS on the fast 4G LTE T-Mobile network for only $30, period. MetroPCS. Wireless. Figured out. Coverage not available in some areas. Plan includes first one gigabyte of data at up to 4G LTE speeds. See store or MetroPCS.com for details and terms and conditions and data management info. Hello again, everyone. I'm Joe Longinusa, welcoming you to another edition of Next on the T with Chris Mascaro, the show where industry leaders, golf professionals, and legends all come and discuss the great game we love so much. So without further ado, let's turn it over to our host to tell us who's next on the T. Chris, take it away. Hey, thank you, Jola Janusa. Good morning, everybody, and thank you for joining me again this morning on Next on the T. I am your host, Chris Mascaro, and today I get the honor of spending some more time one-on-one with legendary broadcaster Mr. Ben Wright. It's always such a thrill for me to get to spend time listening to Mr. Wright sharing his thoughts, his insights, and stories from his amazing career, 50-some-odd years around the game of golf. And today we'll talk, you know, about, you know, the time that he went AWOL from the uh, British Army to watch Mr. Ben Hogan play in the Open Championship back in 1953. We'll also hear his thoughts on how the new big three, if you will, with Jordan Spieth and, and Day and McElroy compared to the other big three of Nicholas Palmer and player. We'll also take a look back at the, the uh, 2015 golf season and hear what he's looking forward to in the upcoming 2016 season. Got the wraparound season now, folks, so it's hard to imagine, but the 2016 season has already started. We'll get his thoughts on that and so much more when he joins me here in just a few moments. So we're going to have another great time this morning, folks. I am so glad that you're here to take the journey with me. Next on the T is brought to you today by our friends over at Seymour Putters. Let's get things kicked off by hearing a word from them. Golfers, has this happened to you? Great drive. Perfect second shot on the green. Only the three or even four putt. Shaking your head all the way back to the cart. I have good news. Help is on the way with the Seymour Putter. The Seymour Putter Company patented RST technology sets up the putter perfectly every time using a visible gun sight on the top line. Genius. It's like locking radar onto the target, in this case, the golf hole, putting the golfer in perfect position to make a reliable and consistent stroke. The 1999 U.S. Open, 2007 Masters, and 2015 British Open champions all used, you guessed it, the Seymour putter. So if you're ready to make more putts, take strokes off your game, log on to Seymour.com. That's S-E-E-M-O-R-E.com and put a Seymour putter in your bag today. Yeah, like Joe said, check out their rifle scope technology that helped win now three majors and 36 tour events and counting because this year's men's British Open champion was using a Seymour putter. It's going to help you make more putts. I know it's helping me. Check them out online at S-E-E-M-O-R-E.com and get one in your bag. You're going to be so very glad that you did. We are also sponsored by the French Lick Resort up in French Lick, Indiana. Folks, you want to talk about a spectacular resort to both play golf and just relax and enjoy yourself. Well, there isn't a better place anywhere on the planet than the French Lick Resort. Go to FrenchLick.com and see for yourself. I had the privilege 
of taking my family there back in June, and we're already looking forward to going back as quickly as we possibly can. The resort is historic. It's beautiful. It's got wonderful gardens out in the back and a huge relaxing rocking chair porch on the front. And folks, the golf, oh my goodness, the golf. The Pete Dye course is kept in championship condition year-round, and it, you know they could be ready at a moment's notice to hold a major championship there. This year, they hosted the Senior PGA Championship and the LPGA Legends Championship. So if you've always wondered what it would be like to play in a major, well, you can do it there at the Pete Dye course. They've also got a Donald Ross design course, which is fantastic. It's the site of Walter Hagen's PGA Championship victory back in 1924. They've got the Valley Links course on the property that dates back to 1907. So the French Lick Resort needs to be on your list of places to stay and play. And oh, by the way, they've got a casino right there on the property for you as well. For more information and to book your stay, go to FrenchLick.com and let's hear from them as well. You just can't beat this weather. The leaves are starting to change. It's the perfect time to get away to French Lick Resort and play the courses the champions play. This year, the Pete Dye course at French Lick has hosted the Senior PGA Championship and the legends of the LPGA Championship. Play our Donald Ross course and feel like 1924 PGA champion Walter Hagen. Fall is the perfect time to play the courses the champions play at French Lick Resort. Book our Hall of Fame package now at FrenchLick.com. Absolutely. It is absolutely one of the most beautiful golf courses and beautiful places you'll ever take a look at. So please check it out online, FrenchLick.com. Also want to give a shout out to our friends over at Allen Edmonds, makers of top quality made in the USA shoes. Folks, the shoes of great leaders from the Oval Office to corner offices to stage and screen and promising cubicles all around the country are part of what make people successful. The right footwear is important on the carpets and the hardwood floors of our global economy. Get it right with made in the USA quality and value from Allen Edmonds. Allen Edmonds is an American original. They've been making shoes in the U.S. in Wisconsin, by the way, since 1922. Check them out online at allenedmonds.com. Let's also kick off today's show by like what we do every week here on Next on the T, and that's by saluting the brave men and women serving in our military. We want to thank all of you for your daily sacrifices, for what you do to keep the rest of us safe. We also want to thank our veterans for all you've done for us over the years. We truly appreciate everything that our military personnel do to preserve our freedoms and our liberties. We know it's through your strength and your efforts that our way of life is even possible. Our sincere thanks as well to Sean Cruz and the wonderful folks over at the Armed Forces Radio Network. It's an honor for us to have Next on the T be a part of your network. You can find us by going to armedforcesradionetwork.org. Also want to remind our veterans out there, be sure to check out globalvoiceforveterans.org. Great site with news and articles and a wealth of information specifically designed for our veterans that I'm sure you're going to find both interesting and beneficial. Again, globalvoiceforveterans.org. All right, now joining me on the Seymour Putters guest line again is Mr. Ben Wright. It's always an honor for me to get to spend some time with Mr. Wright. For me to say this is his sixth appearance on the show is completely humbling to me. He is a man I have revered for many years from the wonderful way he framed up golf for all of us to watch on television, you know, making the sport infinitely more enjoyable for all of us to watch. He is one of also the great storytellers of our time. He's going to forever live in the hearts and minds of golf fans for the wonderful work he did broadcasting the Masters and so many golf tournaments with CBS, particularly the 86 Masters when Mr. Nicholas had his wonderful run. Please never forget that it was Ben Wright who used the phrase, yes, sir, 
to put an exclamation point on Jack Nicklaus's Eagle three on 15, two holes in about 20 minutes before Vern Lundquist used that phrase again in conjunction uh, with Mr. Nicklaus's birdie putt on 17. If the game of golf has a voice, it was certainly Ben Wright's voice that we heard and the game personified in the 70s and the 80s. And I remain honored each and every time I get to say that Mr. Ben Wright is next on the tee with me this morning. Good morning, Mr. Wright. How are you today, my friend? Um, Chris, I'm all the better for being with you and uh, on your Armed Forces Network. Uh, I, I really appreciate exactly what you said about these wonderful people who allow us to enjoy our lifestyle but with their sacrifices. It, it, it's uh, something that's very dear to me because uh, I did my time in the British Army, although I went absent without leave, as you so rightly said, to, to watch Hogan win the British Open. Uh, you know, I, I feel a great uh, joy to be on this network with you. I appreciate that very much. And, and Mr. Wright, before before we get into more of the stories from from your incredible career in life, I know you're up in uh, Greenville, South Carolina at a ch- uh, charity tournament event. Talk to us. Let everybody know about the event and uh, how they can, uh, you know, whether it's get involved or find out more information. Well, it's extraordinary, uh, really, Chris. Uh, four businessmen in, in Greenville, South Carolina, got together 17 years ago because they decided they uh, wanted to do something for abused and neglected children. And there is a, a wonderful home uh, devoted to these poor victims uh, in Greenville called Pendleton Place. Now, they started in a very humble way. Uh, Mike Williams, Troy Baldry, Mark Craig, and Kevin Cox. They were, you know, Williams and Baldry were businessmen, but Cox was in the restaurant business, as was Craig. And they started in a really humble way. The last uh, year, at the same time, <clears throat> excuse me, they uh, they managed to net at the auction, uh, which goes along with a rock concert, by the way, which is tonight. Uh, they managed to raise six figures net for the charity, and and I'm I'm thrilled to be involved because this started in a very humble way, and I've met a lot of rock musicians famous rock musicians uh, who turn out every year, and most of them are fanatical golfers anyhow. Uh, and it's really a, a, a very pleasing to be involved with an event that is going from strength to strength for such a good cause. It's a crying shame that there is such a bad uh, you know, thing going on, but uh, that's right. unfortunately part of life. So you're, it's for those folks that want to get more information and get involved with the Pendleton Place Children's Shelter, you can go online to pendletonplace.org. And, uh, you know, kudos to you, Mr. Wright, for being involved and trying to help, you know, raise that those six figures. You, you say there's a rock concert going on tonight. I'm sure folks are starting to wonder, you know, hey, who's there? Do you know who's, who's performing yeah. tonight? Well, uh, you know, I'm not much of a – I'm not much into rock uh, – because I'm I'm an old so and so, you know, and uh, I I go back to uh, I was uh, when I was a kid I was a 
an absolute fanatical jazz fan, and I attended all the jazz at the Philharmonic concerts in London, which were put on by a gentleman called Norman Grants, and uh, that included Ella Fitzgerald, uh, Oscar Peterson, uh, you know, and those kind of luminaries, and I mm-hmm. grew up with that. So I'm I'm pretty ignorant about rock, but I know all I know is there a bunch of lovely people, and a, a particular one is uh, probably one of the most formidable uh, guitarists in the whole world, uh, Jeff Carlisi, who also happens to be a motor racing freak. Uh, and I, I did uh, my stint of racing sports cars quite unsuccessfully when I was a boy. And uh, my mum uh, told me to quit when I had a bad smash, otherwise she'd disown me. But, uh, you know, they, these are just wonderful people who give us their time freely. And, by the way, um, they're all in support of the Wounded Warrior uh, Project as well, uh, wow. which is a, a, a wonderful thing. So, uh, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be involved in, in such a wonderful thing. That's great. Again, it's pendletonplace.org information and to see how you can get involved with a wonderful cause. Mr. Wright, as, uh, as I said in the, the top of the show, I wanted to start off our time this morning going back to 1953 when, when you went AWOL from the British Army, and it was to go watch Ben Hogan in the Open Championship at Carnoustie. Take us back to that time and, and, and why you would risk so much to, to go get a glimpse of Mr. Hogan. Chris, I was amazed that this cheeky American uh, was arrogant enough to say that he was coming over from Fort Worth, Texas, to win the British Open and would never return to defend it. I thought, well, what an arrogance, SOB. Uh, that is, I've got to go and see this man uh, because he must be a, something amazing because he'd been almost smashed to death four years previously in a terrible uh, automobile accident when he went head on with a coach, and he purposely fell over on top of his wife so to spare her from injury, his wife Valerie. And I was just, you know, I, I, my curiosity was such because I thought that this man must be something special if he thinks he can announce he's going to win the British Open. And, and of course, uh, it turned out to be the most special thing of my life because um, I watched every shot he played in practice, uh, most of them at a nearby nearby golf club called Pan Muir. And uh, I watched every single shot. I walked all the 72 holes with him. And, and of course, he went... Uh, 73, 71, and then on the final day, he had to pay, pay 36 holes on the Friday, and he went 70, 68. Honestly, he was dragging his bad leg up the 18th hole. with a, His face had gone gray, I think, with the pain and the, the tiredness, but he still made his par four for 68 and, and won. And I was absolutely bowled over by the sheer genius of the man. His shot-making ability was 
like none I've ever seen before or since, you know. Uh, obviously, Jack Nicholas was very much uh, in the same mold in terms of precision, but nothing was quite like this almost um, machine-like uh, human being. He was almost inhuman, if you if you understand. I mean, he, to me, he was it was a religious experience, and I. Uh, you so rightly said, I, I decided that I had to spend the rest of my life around golf. And my real name, which I don't think I've ever told you, is John Bentley Hyphen Wright. And I had to, to shorten that very quickly as a young newspaper reporter. Uh, if I was ever going to have a byline, uh, because uh, my night news editor said you better shorten that something name if you don't want to remain <laughs> in staggering anonymity for the rest of your mediocre career and miserable life. <laughs> so I I had I put on this story my first ever byline. I put by John Bentley Hyphen Wright, and he said uh, go back to your typewriter and think up something new. So I call myself Ben after Hogan, and I've been Ben right ever since. It's uh, I never told you that story before. No, but that's absolutely true. I I I couldn't think of a better name than, than that of my idol. You know, and as I look back, you know, doing the research on the on the '53 Open Championship, Mister Wright. I mean, you know, to your point. You know, Ben Hogan shoots 68 in, in the in the last of the 18 holes that day, and and as uh, as I was reading about it, he was bat- not only was he battling the leg, he was battling the flu, and he still yes. 60, 68 well, is still right. the best round of anybody in the top you know in the top ten that day. Yes, uh, he hadn't been very well all week, if my memory serves me right. He started. Uh, by contracting a heavy cold, and and he really was battling health-wise in every sense, you know, uh, what with the body as as well as the uh, the flu or cold or whatever it was. I mean, he was he was struggling, and yet he had this unbelievable strength of character to prevail and do exactly what he said he was going to do. And he never returned to defend the championship. And I remember vividly the last thing he said at the presentation, which actually didn't go down too well. Um, He he said, when I get back to Fort Worth, I'm going to send you all a bunch of lawnmowers. Because the condition (laughs) of the golf course in 1953 was nothing like one one expects in America. And... uh, and, you know, he was absolutely right. But um, thankfully, Green's keeping her, which was in its infancy over there then, uh, has come up almost to American standards now. And, uh, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say anything wrong about the British golf courses, all the European, which are excellent. They really are. But uh, in those days, uh, I would say... Your average fairway here was could be better than the greens 
in Britain at the time. Wow. So when you look back historically, Mr. Wright, you know, and Ben Hogan, he he won nine majors, tied with Gary Player for the fourth, fourth most in, in golf history. When we think about, you know, the greatest players of all time, certainly Mr. Hogan's name comes up. I don't know that it comes up enough, though. I mean, I think we we talked Jack Nicklaus and, 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 and Tiger Woods and Arnold Palmer and Gary Player. I think some of the some of the players from the, you know, the, the 40s and 50s don't get the credit that, you know, that they deserve because we, you know, the society today, we live in the now. We, you know, who's the greatest right now? And we don't we don't necessarily revere enough the players that came back in the 40s and 50s and even prior to that outside of Bobby Jones, perhaps. But where, where does where does Ben Hogan rate in your mind? amongst the greatest players of all time? Well, he's definitely the greatest stroke maker. Uh, no, no question in my mind. Uh, you know, the thing was with Mr. Hogan, he was very aloof. And, of course, any any man who, as a young boy, uh, had seen his father commit suicide right in front of him by putting a gun in his mouth, he's going to be a little different because the poor devil, I mean, anybody who experienced such a terrible thing uh, must be scarred for life. And, you know, Hogan didn't make friends readily. He uh, he was very much his own man. And uh, Ken Venturi, who was a colleague of mine, the late Ken Venturi, a wonderful player himself, and in fact probably as good an iron player as I ever saw was Ken Venturi. I mean, he had a great friendship with Hogan, but it didn't amount to any friendship on the golf course. And and Ken told me that Hogan would probably very say, he would say maybe good morning and it's uh, your, your away. And probably then never say another word until the round was over. So, you know, he didn't endear himself to a lot of people by his aloofness. But that is no no barrier to me in assessing his talent, which was really second to none, in my opinion. I mean, I I revere Jack Nicklaus for his unbelievable competitive ability. But for the sheer, the sheer purity of shot making, I would have to put Ben Hogan top of the list because I, I'm, I'm I'm old, but I'm not old enough to have seen Bobby Jones. So, you know, I don't I can't judge someone that I've never seen play. But I think Hogan was definitely the preeminent shot maker, and you probably noticed that I haven't said putter. Because he lost, <laughs> he lost, he lost that aspect of his game early, and I remember being with some USGA gentlemen, uh, and Hogan came by and said, "You people would do a hell of a lot better if you made the whole six inches in diameter," and uh, they uh, turned their backs and ignored Hogan completely uh, because. As they said after he'd gone by, uh, you know, obviously anybody with the yips wants a six-inch diameter hole. But mm-hmm. the USGA, the USGA gentleman, Chris said, but with his yips, he would miss a six-inch hole as easily as he 
he does he did the four and a quarter inches. So uh, <laughs> and, and to that point, Mr. Wright, you know, when you talk about Hogan and, you know, and, 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 you know, kind of a, how solitude he was on there, he seemed so incredibly focused. Now, maybe it was something else and it didn't, that's why he didn't speak to anyone. Maybe he just generally didn't like to talk, but it, 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 for me, and, and again, you, you know, this a hundred times better than I, but it seemed like he had such a great mind and such a great focus that to your point yes. about the yips, for for I mean good, goodness knows how many other majors he would have won if he could have putted better because it seemed like he was always in the mix just couldn't get it done with the putter. What what was it? Did it was what was it that caused the yips? Why couldn't he overcome it? Do you think? Well, I you know I don't think anybody's overcome the yips uh, like Bernhard Langer has. Um, I you know I. I know Bernhard very well. We sort of grew up together. And I remember taking Bernhard. He was absolutely hopeless with the yips three times. And I think it was the second time he was paralyzed by them. I took him to Sunningdale Golf Club in England to the pro shop. The pro was then an Englishman, Clive Clark, from Yorkshire who had had a distinguished amateur career, um, runner-up in the British amateur and uh, so on. And, and I I said to Bernhard, you know, you've got to get something totally different from that which you are using that's caused you to get the yips again. So he picked out a uh, putter from the bin in, in Clark's pro shop and uh, paid five pounds for it. And we went on down to Chepstow, uh, just over the border in South Wales, and he won the Dunlop Masters, which was our equivalent of uh, Augusta National's Masters. And it was, you know, it was so amazing because I have never seen anybody else come back from the Yips. It's always finished them all. And as it finished Hogan off, competitively speaking, I mean, he he could never shake it off because, it, you know, it, it's in your mind. And I think that Tiger Woods has uh, the beginnings of yips about uh, chipping and, and stuff like that. You know, and it, it doesn't matter how great a player you are, you're still mortal and, and it's, it's in the mind, and, and it's a terrible thing. And no one has ever been able to explain it sufficiently well. Mac O'Grady, a great player in his time uh, and very eccentric, uh, he put together a phenomenal uh, a number of professors and so on to try and get to the bottom of the, the yips, and really they didn't come up with any any really good answer at all. And, you know, you had the best brains in the mental business, and they couldn't couldn't really pin it down. So we've talked an awful lot about, you know, Mr. Hogan, and we mentioned names like Tiger Woods and Jack Nicklaus and Arnold Palmer. But, Mr. Ray, going back, you know, who are some of the other players that you think don't get enough recognition by, you know, golf fans for how how great they actually were? Well, I think 
a, a fellow that I thought was one of the great players of the modern era, for instance, was Miller Barber. But he always had this crazy swing, and he always wore the dark glasses, and he was known as Mr. X because he disappeared after dark. No one ever could catch up with him. And uh, But yet, you know, uh, I, I, it was scientifically proven that three feet before impact and three feet after impact, he may have been the purest striker in the history of the game, purely in a scientific way. But I think, you know, he was a, a much greater player than he was ever given credit for. Of course, I think Lee Trevino is also a little uh, overlooked because he was, you know, a common man who came out of poverty and uh, and absolutely conquered the world. I mean, I remember in the space of only just over a month in 1971, he won the U.S. Open, the Canadian Open, and the British. Uh, I think it was five weeks that it took him to win all three, which is just incredible. And I don't think because, you know, he had an ugly-looking swing that was perfectly magnificent through the ball again. I don't think he got the full credit. When we go back and look at, um, you know, the the standings, if you will, for guys who won, you know, the most tournaments of all time, and, you know, Sam Snead sits sits atop of that, you know, when when you talk about a guy like, you know, like Snead, who won 82 times, right, including seven mm-hmm. majors, he won the Masters three times, the PGA three times, mm-hmm. he got one British Open championship, finished second four times in the U.S. Open, so that that held him back from the career Grand Slam, but he was a guy who was competitive well into his 60s, and, and what I mean by competitive, I mean, he finished tied for third at the 74 PGA Championship at age 62. I'm curious about yes. you know, what you remember about watching Mr. Sneed. Well, I, I watched a lot of Mr. Sneed because I was fascinated by him in the same way I'd been fascinated by Hogan. And uh, there was no, you know, there was no more natural golf player ever than Sam Snead, who came out of the hills in West Virginia or wherever it was. And, and you know, he he was hitting stones with a stick and, and that kind of thing. The guy was absolutely natural. He just, he never did anything different than he had, you know, from the beginning of time. And I think that was why he had such incredible longevity. Whereas, if you compare them, Jack Nicklaus was all through sheer application and effort, he was able to achieve an incredible length of of greatness. And, uh, I, you know, the two were so totally different because uh, Nicholas really was uh, a manufactured golfer, if you can say that. You know, he he really were, were you know, you, you don't talk about him as a natural because he fashioned a swing that worked for him with, uh, with unbelievable, uncanny regularity. And, 
was was a made player, whereas Sneed was a total natural who swung the same way uh, when he last hit a golf ball and when he first hit one. I remember first time I saw uh, Mr. Sneed play, Chris, was at Inverary at the old Jackie Gleason Classic. In a sense, he was showing off uh, to a bunch of other pros, and he was hitting drivers off the dirt. Now, I don't mean the turf, I mean the dirt. He was hitting drivers off the dirt, and he shaped them left to right and right to left. I never saw anybody able to do that in all the time I've been watching golf. Yeah. Mr. As you talk about Mr. Nicholas, and you were witness to all 26 years of Jack Nicholas's run, if you will, in the majors from when, you know, he made people start to take notice of him in 1960 when he tied for 13th at the masters and then played with Mr. Hogan at the U S open mm-hmm. and probably should have won it, you know, all the way mm-hmm. up to obviously the 86 masters. Do you mind sharing some of your favorite memories of covering uh, Jack Nicholas? Yes. Uh, it's, uh, it's difficult to choose. Uh, actually, you know, so many moments, the, the overwhelming thing that impressed me about Jack Nicholas was he was able to conjure the magical shot or the magical putt with unfailing regularity. He would do it every time he needed to do something special. He would do it. So he would do it. And I, I got to be totally in awe of that. Uh, and that's how he won so many majors. But, you know, Chris, he lost more majors than he won. Mm-hmm. And he he and he probably should have won at least half of the ones that got away. He should have won, in my opinion, 30 majors. I mean, there's no question about it. He had the ability, but he would very occasionally, well, not too occasionally, too too many times, would start slowly and have to play catch-up. And and most of the time he did it successfully, but the times that got away, I felt that he had lost championships that he should have won. But I think, um, you know, the case in point uh, at the Masters of 1975, where he conjured that, unbelievable putt at the 16th hole in the final round. I mean, he was literally, what, 45, 50 feet away from the cup and uphill, and he made it for a two at 16 that virtually, uh, you know, put the others to fright, as it were. But, of course, Weisskopf and Miller, Johnny Miller and Tom Weisskopf, both had putts to tie that year. But actually, that Masters, the 75 Masters, was for me the equal of 1986. Of course, the 86 was because he was 46 years of age. And he actually bogeyed the 12th hole in the final round. But, you know, as a matter of fact, the 75 Masters was every bit as exciting as 1986. Uh, I also... I remember vividly that when he first played in the 
in the British Open. He was pretty unsuccessful uh, in Arnold Palmer's uh, huge victory at Royal Troon in 1962. Nicholas missed the cut and took double figures at the 11th hole, uh, where I think he hit two out of bounds. Uh, And, you know, I also saw Jack, I think he only lost one ball ever in a major championship. And I I saw that at Shinnecock Hills in the uh, United States Open. And and it was at the 10th hole, and he hooked it into the the hay field. And and not even several hundred people, and I was one of them, could find that golf ball. And the sight of Nicholas walking back to something that I, I never thought I'd see and never did again. And uh, I watched him probably win oh, more than 10 of his majors, I'm sure. And, and, and it, it really, uh, he was just the ultimate competitor. There was never a better competitor than Nicholas because he could turn it on when he needed it most. And I mean, that's the, that's the art of a great player. And, and you know, it was, you look back over the course of his career, he had a down year in 1979, perhaps the worst of his career, only winning just a little over $59,000 on the tour, but before coming back the following year in 1980 and winning two majors at the age of 40. Now we look at Tiger. Yes. Tiger's about to turn 40 in December. He, you know, obviously this was a sort of lost slash down year for him. It, do you see anything similar? Is it something that you think he'll, he'll be able to come back from? Or as you mentioned a little while ago, the yips with the chipping and, you know, some of the, you know, the, his inability to keep the ball in the fairway. Where do you see Tiger's career going as he turns 40? Well, I, I'm, I'm sorry to say, Chris, that I can't see him coming back uh, to win majors. Matter of fact, I was talking to a gentleman last night at uh, a reception for this tournament I'm involved with. And we had a bet uh, of a bottle of uh, Silver Oak Cabernet Sauvignon uh, that I bet this gentleman that Tiger would never win another major. And this gentleman said, I believe he's going to win not only one, but maybe two. And I, I just don't see it. Uh, you know, it's not only mental, but it's physical as well. He's used up his body to such an extent because he was, you know, his swing was uncompromisingly violent and demanding physically, as in a sense was Nicholas. But Nicholas was a much more robust build. You know, there's, it was, I mean, you ever saw, as I did, Jack Nicholas playing tennis, you realize where all the strength came from. He had thighs that, that were like oak trees. They were so huge. And, you know, you could see that he generated a lot of power uh, from the knee to the waist. Uh, and, 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 you know, um, well, one, you know, Woods has had now, what, a second operation on the back, he came back too soon. According to this, the Canadian player Graham Dillette, 
had the same uh, first operation, and he tried to come back after six months, and it was a total failure, and he didn't actually come back uh, for a year successfully. Too soon. Now he's got had to take you know another operation to put his back right. Uh, I just don't see it happening, Chris, and and it makes me very sad because. At his best, Tiger Woods was as good as anything the world has ever seen. Mm-hmm. So when you look at now, Mr. Wright, and you look at the game of golf and, you know, maybe arguably the, the new big three of, you know, Jordan Spieth and Jason Day and Rory McIlroy, when you look at how successful and where they are in their golf games, does it make you harken back to the big three of Nicholas Player and Palmer when they were in their heydays in the 60s? Absolutely. I mean, I, I, I think you're, you, you hit it right on the head. It's like having the big three all over again. And might I say, I am a total fan of Jordan Spieth. I could watch Jordan Spieth all day and all night. He's such a fine individual, such a great ambassador for this country. And in addition, such an incredible golfer. Uh, and, uh, you know, McElroy, as you know, he caddied for me when he was 16 years of age. And, and I have a great affection for him. I, you know, I railed and ranted and so on when uh, Phil Nickerson uh, broke his leg skiing. I said, you know, I, I was broadcasting and I, I said, it's absolutely ridiculous for a professional golfer to think he can ski uh, as recreation. And it was amazing how hostile a reaction I got, uh, I received from for saying those things. Uh, You know, in other words, let boys be boys. And, you know, at the same time, I I railed and ranted about McElroy Because if you're going to be a professional golfer, you can't go playing soccer. Uh, You know, soccer causes a lot of career-ending injuries. Uh, And, uh, you know, if you're going to be a top world-class golfer, you've got to be mature enough not to, you know, go kicking a soccer ball about with your mates because... You know, you may be a boy and wanting to be a boy, but it doesn't work. And I, I guarantee Jordan Spieth would never be uh, in danger of doing anything that could endanger uh, the future of his career. So when you look ahead, and it's 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 amazing to me now with the with the wraparound season, and and so we're already into the 2016 season, if you will, with the Fry Open being this week. But when you look ahead to the the calendar year of 2016, what are some of the things you're hoping that uh, you'll get to see in the out of the golfers and and out of golf, if you will, next year? Well, I think you know if we if you're thinking about the the future of the game of golf and and its well-being. I would love to see what I think is going to happen, and that is that the Americans are finally going to win the Ryder Cup, uh, win it back from Europe. And um, I think there are, it, 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 that is going to depend on the young players keeping up 
their brilliant start to their careers. And two that come to my mind immediately are Justin Thomas and um, Daniel Berger, two very talented young kids. And if the Americans pick the right team uh, and the right, you know, they've got to have the right personnel altogether. And I think Davis Love, God bless him, deserves another chance uh, because it's not the captain's fault that his team collapsed uh, in such a a terrible manner at Medina as they did. I think he deserves a second chance. And I think that because he plays so well himself, that he's much more in touch with the current generation than this poor Tom Watson, you know, who really is still a wonderful player as a senior, but definitely divorced from the younger, the younger element. And, um, uh, he tried to, to sort of a schoolmasterly approach, and, and it was totally wrong. And you know, he got castigated for it. And um, I, I, I suppose rightly so. But I, I, I think it would be very good for the game to see the Americans win at uh, Hazeltine. And and I, by the way, I've made a lot of speeches um, of late after dinner speeches, and I've always told my audience to go and back America, whatever the odds, to win back the Ryder Cup at Hazeldean. I am fairly convinced they're going to they're gonna make it uh, happen uh, sooner rather than later. And I really want that to happen for the, for the game of golf. It's only going to renew interest in the whole uh, affair because, you know, the President's Cup, was probably the best of all, virtually, uh, this time, because it was a contest, whereas right. it very, very often hasn't been. And Americans get very tired, uh, you know, if, if their teams keep losing or the event is so one-sided. And that's how the Europeans were brought into the Ryder Cup in the first place, with uh, Jack Nicholas complaining to the Earl of... Uh, Derby, or, or Derby as you might call it, um, that you know that it was too one-sided to be worthwhile, and that that is true. And I, I'm honestly, I am hoping that Jason Day, Jordan Spieth, and Rory McIlroy, and a few other young guns will really uh, shoot it out at the four majors, and uh, that that could be really, really wonderful and exciting. And, of course, there are, there are a few older brethren who are capable of uh, upsetting them in all those plans. But uh, uh, I think, you know, the professional game, Chris, is in a wonderful state right now. Absolutely mm, yeah. wonderful. Just a couple more before we let you go, Mr. Wright, and I couldn't agree with that last statement that you made more than but you do do a lot of speeches. You host a lot of events. When when you're when you're hosting an event, or or you're just simply sitting around with with folks that you know enjoy the game of golf and love the history of the game of mm-hmm. golf. What are some of the stories that uh, that you love to share with them? Well, you know something. The, the ones I uh, get asked to tell are not about golf, but they're about what I went through in the Second World War. 
as a boy. And it seems like an endless fascination with Americans. What a tough time we had in Britain in the Second World War. You know, I remember my sister, I only have one sister who is three years younger than me. I remember we were always fighting. Uh, we hated each other as, as youngsters. And one morning in uh, early 1940, uh, I'd reduced my sister to floods of tears, uh, miserable little devil that I was. And my mother, my mother said, Chris, in all seriousness, when the Germans arrive, if you behave like this, they'll just shoot you. It, it was meant totally seriously, not as a joke at all. And that's how inevitable it seemed that, that the Germans would come and invade. And the very fact that Hitler turned the other way uh, and went East, uh, as Napoleon did before him, uh, saved our uh, our rear ends in Britain from a ghastly occupation, I'm sure. So, Mr. Ray, one more before we let you go, and you and you do. You host so many special events throughout the course of the year, and I'm just curious as as we look ahead, and you know, and and people want to want the opportunity. You know, to to hear you speak and to and to be in your presence. Where what what have you got coming up recently or in the in the near future where people can go and 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 be a part of the events that you're a part of? Well, um, I I'm not got much more this season other than after dinner speaking. Uh, I've got about uh, four or five lined up for the rest of the year, but not you know I wind down. In the, in the close season, <laughs> close season of about a week. But no, I mean, <laughs> I, I'm amazed at how uh, I, I cannot acclimatize myself to the United States tour starting this season this week. I, I guess I can't get over it because in in Europe now the race to to Dubai is in full swing, and uh, you know we. We uh, abide by the calendar, and uh, it really upsets me in a sense that uh, there is not more downtime uh, for these uh, for the American tour. I think that there should be time off where they they can go where they like, even mm-hmm. if it's skiing, even if it's skiing. <laughs> <laughs> but I wouldn't do that if you paid me. But um, you know, I, I I think seriously. There's a, there's a real uh, possibility of burnout in the, on the pro tours of the world. And I think, you know, we should be cognizant of the fact that people do need a bit of time off. And uh, I think it's, it, it's all, it's, and unfortunately, I think it's motivated by greed, uh, as is most bad things, uh, most bad things in life. But uh, mm. there we are. That's just a per, you know a personal opinion. 
Mr. Wright's got a great book. It's called Good Bounces and Bad Lies. It's a fantastic read over the course of his career, and it's one that I cherish very much, just almost as much as I get to cherish the honor of getting to speak with him live as a part of the show. Mr. Wright, thank you so much for continuing to take time out of your morning to be a part of the show. You're such a delight, and it's, a, it's both an honor and a privilege to get to share the airways with you. Well, it's a privilege for me uh, to share with your military and yourself and your team. And I, I, I really appreciate it uh, very much. I, I, I will continue doing it as long as I keep my marbles and you want me. <laughs> there's, there's never going to be a day that I'm not going to want you so thank you so much for saying that and, and I look forward to the opportunity to catch up with you again soon and again you're up at the uh, the ch- a charity event Arizona's Children's Celebrity Classic up in Greenville South Carolina doing some great things there so thank you for that thank you for being here and I look forward to the privilege of the next time I get to talk with you I, I, can't, I can't tell you how much I look thank you very much Chris All right. Take care, Mr. Ray. I look forward to catching up soon. Thank you. That's the legendary Mr. Ben Wright. And I'm telling you, folks, it doesn't get any better than to get to spend uh, some time with Mr. Wright. So many wonderful stories. I look forward to the opportunity to catch up and hear more of them. Uh, You know, his time with uh, Mr. Hogan and to think that he, you know, Mr. Hogan meant so much to him that uh, that he would take time away from the military to go check him out and uh, and to see what he was all about uh, the great years that he spent uh you know broadcasting on CBS and 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 following the great careers of of the legends of the game like Mr. Nicholas and Palmer and Player and and you know so many other you mentioned Miller Barber and Lee Trevino so so many great things that he was witness to that uh, that we get to tap into from time to time so it's uh, it's such an honor and a privilege to get to spend time with Mr. Wright. And I look forward to uh, hopefully getting that opportunity again very soon. All right, folks, before we close up shop today, I want to give a shout out to our friends and a new partner that we have, the you know PGA Tour Pro, Jim Estes, and the great folks over at the Salute Military Golf Association. I want to play you uh, a, a little uh, little something from, from those folks because they're doing such wonderful things for our military. The Salute Military Golf Association was created to provide rehabilitative golf experiences to the brave men and women who have been wounded while serving our country. Hi, I'm Jim Estes, PGA Golf Pro and co-founder of the Salute Military Golf Association. With my adaptive golf program, we've successfully helped thousands of soldiers in their recovery, both mentally and physically. The SMGA has been providing family-inclusive golf experiences across the country since 2007. To date, the SMGA has equipped more than 1,000 warriors with properly fitted golf clubs and has extended its clinic series to more than eight chapter and affiliate locations across the U.S., If you are a wounded veteran interested in participating, or if you'd like to learn more about the Salute Military Golf Association and find a chapter closest to you, visit our website at smga.org. We've seen firsthand how impactful golf can be in aiding one's recovery. The Salute Military Golf Association, empowering wounded veterans one fairway at a time. Visit smga.org. That's smga.org. Indeed, please. Check it out online, smga.org. Great things that the Salute Military Golf Association is doing for uh, some of our wounded warriors, and uh, it's it's great stuff, and it's so impactful. And again, kudos to the PGA Pro Jim Estes for uh, for putting that together. It's a it's a wonderful organization doing some really great things. I hope you'll check it out and get involved. 
All right, folks, it's about time for me to put a bow on this one. Before we do close up the shop, I want to remind you, our great friend Dave Stockton Jr. and his father, Dave Stockton, have their book out there. It's called Own Your Own Game. You've heard me talking about it for months. Remember, folks, so much of the game is played in that space and, you know, that five-inch space between our ears. We even talked about it, you know, you know, with uh, Mr. Wright and all the things going on with the yips and that sort of thing. Well, get your mind right. In this latest book from Mr. Stockton, he lets you know how to play winning golf through your mind. Own Your Own Game recreates the uh, experience of riding 18 holes with Dave Stockton at one of his highly sought-after corporate outings, and it draws from his experience as a champion tour player, both on the regular tour and the senior tour, as, and also as a revered coach. So he teaches you how to think better, stay calmer, execute more consistently, and most importantly, folks, how to enjoy the game more thoroughly. Go to StocktonGolf.com to get your copy. And for a couple of extra dollars, Mr. Stockton will even offer, uh, autograph it for you as well. All right. My sincere thanks again to Mr. Ben Wright for joining me today and making today's show so much fun for, uh, for me to be a part of. I hope you enjoyed it, too. We thank you for tuning in. We appreciate you guys the very most. We know you have thousands of you know, shows out there and podcasts that you have the opportunity to, to listen to and, and to download and stream. And we appreciate that you've made this one next on the T with Chris Mascaro, one of your choices. Uh, we also want to remind you about our sister show, Thursday Night Tailgate with me, my co-host Bob Lazari and our announcer, Joe Lajanusa. That show airs every Thursday from 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern time. You can stream it live uh, over on Blog Talk Radio as well as the Armed Forces Radio Network. That show, like this one, also is available on iHeartRadio, Spreaker, TuneIn, Stitcher, Player.fm, SoundCloud. We're all over the Internet. You can find us in many places. Thursday Night Tailgate, every week we are joined by the legends of the game from around the NFL and the CFL. We're official partners of the NFL Alumni Association and Mike Ditka's organization, the Gridiron Greats. So please check us out over there. You can find us online at ThursdayNightTailgate.com. You can find this show online and stream or download any of our archive episodes by going to nextonthetea.net. And please also check out both shows on Facebook. Give us a like on uh, on our Facebook pages. Uh, we appreciate it. If there's anything you want to you know, chat with us about or let us know or questions you want us to ask to Sean McKeel, who's a regular guest on this show, you can give us uh, what those questions are, and we'll be sure to get them on the air for you as well. Thanks again, folks, for uh, for being a part of the show today. We really appreciate it. Until next week, hit them straight, my friends. You've been listening to Next on the Tee with Christmas Carol, where PGA and LPGA legends, pros and top instructors, and media members go to tell their stories. Join us the same time every Saturday to hear more stories about the game we love from the people who love sharing those stories with you. It's all about the great game of golf. It's all about the great game of golf. of a drill instructor directing a musical. Town hut! Get those tap heels in line and let me see those jazz hands! Are you bundling your home and auto insurance through Progressive? Can you hear me through those sequins? Bundle your home and auto through Progressive and save. Left, left, left and step ball change. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates. Home insurance provided and serviced by other select insurers. 
Great things are happening at your friendly neighborhood Safeway. Stop by and see all the things that make a supermarket just better. Like new low everyday prices on family favorites. Shop with your club card and pick up bananas for an incredible 48 cents a pound. And for an easy, delicious dinner, get whole roasted chicken for only $4.98. Bigger selections, friendlier smiles, lower prices. Safeway, it's just better. 